Welcome to another episode of The Inquisitive Analyst. I'm your host, Marcus Yudokang. It's a show where we chat about business analysis and project management issues and the challenges and triumphs within those fields. It's inspiring, informative, and very much inquisitive. My guest today has a long experience as a business analyst and project manager. He's also an aspiring and successful entrepreneur. He is founder and CEO of Fund Elements. Please help me welcome to today's show, joining us all the way from Dublin, Ireland, Alan Berry. Welcome, Alan. Thanks, Marcus. Thanks for that introduction. Well, you're very much welcome. Now, I perhaps should start off with the most obvious of all questions. How and why did you get into project management and business analysis? Yeah, I have to go back in time, really, to start um, in an organization many years ago, 1986, um, that's mm. a long time ago, and... Uh, basically received about two years into the start of my career um, a IBM PS2 and wow. it was the only it was one of only two PCs in the um, in the organization it had floppy disks it had um, DOS prompt and uh, I remember a, a software package called Windows arriving along a number of years later and we used um, one product Lotus 123 to do bank account reconciliation. So we were able to tap in um, both sides of uh, the accounting and the bank. And we had a keystroke macro to um, run reconciliations and uh, it gave us the results. So it was a bit of magic and it helped us to do things quicker. Uh, and I progressed from there. Uh, I uh, went on to uh, work with a number of database packages. Uh, we got Windows, so got familiar with the Windows suite, particularly with Microsoft Access. And then I moved to uh, London in 1995. Um, during the four or five years I lived in London, I learned um, a huge amount and migrated on to working with um, property network systems and um, systems supported by IT departments and big databases. Um, Sybase, for example, would have been the database at the time and got a lot of experience and a lot of good training in that area. And then it was a natural progression, I suppose, into instead of uh, working and building systems into actually becoming more of an analyst and a project manager. And the background I had, I had a background in I'm an accountant. Um, uh, accountants were one of the early users of PCs. And uh, that's kind of where I got to today was just a progression throughout my career. Being inquisitive, asking about, well, what's the next step? What happens next? And asking a lot of questions, why? Um, so just following that. Fantastic. You've got this company, Fund Elements. What, what kind of services does Fund Elements provide? Yeah, Fund Elements is um, an opportunity which uh, is quite interesting because it's, it's an opportunity built on cloud. So cloud, I would see as being uh, another phase in the development of technology, uh, which just creates um, a whole new set of opportunities, many ways to put everything back together again. If I look at the business of an investment fund, it's typically a business where much of the operations are outsourced. So prior to cloud, every operating silo, every outsourced silo, uh, built systems based on on-premise um, solutions. Uh, cloud reinvents that. It gives the opportunity for uh, all of those systems to now move into a single operating platform, technology platform, and it gives the opportunity for businesses to really convert from providing services to providing solutions. So it's um, it's a fantastic opportunity. And the great news about it is we're only at the beginning of it. So what I've done is really taken 
a lot of the knowledge and experience I've had working in that industry over uh, probably three decades and started documenting it in a way that makes it accessible and makes it easier for people to run technology and training projects. That's fantastic. You talked about uh, the investment fund business and part of that uh, that you focus on is called operating models. Can you provide maybe a brief understanding of what an operating model is and, and why it's so important for every investment fund business? Yeah, um, so there's a life cycle to every investment fund. There's a day that you decide to open the fund and there's a day that um, you decide to close the fund. And between those two points, you've got a lot of uh, activity, a lot of decisions. Um, at the initial stage, there's a lot of identify decisions. So identify domicile, identify legal structure, identify fund structure, identify investment policy. So there's a lot of decision-making up front. But then throughout it, there's a lot of other um, actions, a lot of other calculations, calculate settlement value, calculate market value, right the way through to the reporting piece, um, looking at the filing of tax returns for investors, looking at the financial reporting, the regulatory reporting. So within an operating model, we look at 12 areas that are common to all funds. We look at the consistent or the constant processes, the things that everyone does. And we also look at the choices they make, the variables associated with each process. And it's very much built with the end client in mind on a life cycle basis. And it also applies object-oriented type design approach where you're separating the um, parameters from the actual actions that carry out those parameters. Fantastic. One thing I've been meaning to ask you, I know you work with State Street, and I had a friend uh, who worked at State Street in Krakow. Believe it or not, there are a lot of Irish people who go to Krakow to work for State Street. I don't know why, but that's the way it worked out. So I thought I'd ask you, how was your experience working as a project manager at State Street? Had any, any good takeaways for us? Well, it's, it's interesting that you asked that um, because a lot of my interaction was with Krakow. I would have dealt with them on a, on a regular basis. And State Street have had a very um, you know, good, successful operation in, um, in, in Poland. Um, so my interaction was primarily with their businesses in Dublin, Kilkenny, in um, Luxembourg, in Frankfurt, and a lot of the uh, team, the operations team was in, in Poland. So yeah, very good experience, a very diverse set of um, people. And what I, I suppose the one thing that I've always enjoyed in the projects and the areas I've worked in, uh, lots of complexities, so lots mm -hmm. of things to figure out and people to work with to try and get your head around some of the, um, the challenges that the business face. Yeah, it's fascinating. I, I, I was, it's such a beautiful place to work too. You can just go out to the canal and uh, have a coffee if you want and go back to work. Because I think, I think State Street was, I've, I've been there in that office. I think it was located right downtown near the uh, Kashimish, Jewish Kashimish district, I think. So I, I didn't get to visit, oh, which okay. was unfortunate. Um, but it is irrespective of from a work point of view, it is a place I'd like to visit. I have been to um, Poland. I did get to go to Gdansk and uh, traveled around um, a couple of various fascinating city, Gdansk, and lots of um, lots of history. Fantastic. Now, you, you worked as a director of operations at the CITCO, C-I-T-C-O, CITCO Group. How was the experience leading uh, the implementation of the Global HR Transformation Project there? 
Yeah, that, that was, um, I learned a lot on that project. Um, the one thing that uh, we did have on that project is we got the balance right between the implementation um, team. So with, a, with an ERP type implementation, you typically have three project managers. You've got a, a business project manager, someone who's facing off and working with the um, HR function and the operational people. You've got a technology project manager, someone who is looking at the technology implementation. That was an on-premise solution. So you are reliant on them to build a service, to implement the software, and to work on any data loads and any custom work. And then I think the other element, the third part to it was working with a, um, a consulting firm, uh, which was a very, very good experience. We worked with a, a consulting firm called KBase. They've since... Um, been bought out by another consulting business, but the experience they brought to bear was was excellent. And that's the one thing that I would highlight about running a successful ERP implementation. Uh, all that KBase had done for 20 years before we hired them was implement Oracle. And um, they had 200 people doing that. They had a level of deep level of expertise in that space. Um, so that was quite easy to um, get guidance around. We did have a, a red flag approach where if we decided we wanted to do something, we were very open with them about it. And if they felt that it was um, something that they would, I told you so three months later, um, we wanted to know about that straight away. So it, was, it worked quite well. Um, I, I learned a lot and I mentioned John Kirkconnell, who was the project manager I faced off against with Abase. He was, had a lot of knowledge and I learned a lot from him. Um, he, um, he knew his stuff and uh, he's still working in this space. So um, yeah, it's a, it was a very good project. We did manage to deliver on time, on budget, within scope, with a big bang implementation. I think it was 5,500 people in 45 offices. Um, so that was a, a lot of work by a team of 30 people. And in particular, the data piece was where we resourced up. And we had some excellent people working on that who led that initiative. Fantastic. Now, at Cisco also, you, uh, you led this global training and development team. I've done a bit of training myself, also been a bit of business house, which interests me. So are, are there any many, are there many, um, many similarities between say the role of a trainer and that of a business analyst? Yeah, I think, um, again, I learned a lot. And what was interesting was that the, I came across some excellent resources and, and they're actually from the Canadian Society for Training and Development and some excellent trainers who were based in their Toronto office. Um, what I learned, I actually learned a lot about business analysis and business analysts, the role of a business analyst from uh, the structures that are available through learning and development um, competencies. Uh, I would say that um, trainers are actually business analysts. Um, there's a couple of things I would mention which are worth looking at. Uh, within the training world, there's a, a concept of behavior standard condition, uh, and that works very well within the business analyst world as well. Big thing I always struggled with as a business analyst was it felt like an endless task. And it felt like a project where if you'd written a long functional specification, well, there's a good chance it's probably not going to get read by too many people. So you never knew when you were finished. And what I found with the combination of methodologies from L&D and um, universal process notation, which is the methodology I use for as a business analyst, is they were highly complementary. And it actually got to the point where I recognized that there was an end goal. There was something you're looking for as a business analyst. And uh, that's, that's been um, 
there was a light bulb moment. And it was a, there was a lot of frustration in trying to get that complete uh, view of I'm now finished and the functional specification is ready. So that was quite um, uh, a light bulb moment for me was when I sort of said, ah, these two things are the same thing. Um, and that's a key part of what, um, what Fun Elements is about, is getting that to a point of completion where you say, yep, yeah, that's, that's fine, we're now done. Nice, fabulous. In the case of business analysis, uh, if we look at, say, process decomposition, that's deciding, you know, if the specification is complete, is really sort of qualitative rather than quantitative. And you've developed a training course in the area called Business Analysis Essentials, the complete functional uh, definition. Maybe you can tell us a bit about uh, about that course. Yeah, and I think that's probably what I've um, introduced in the answer to the last question. It's about taking the uh, approach using UPN, Universal Process Notation, of breaking down from a, a strategy or a governance view of an organization, breaking it down into its functional components, and then continuing to break it down. And I suppose the main teaching point in that is that there is actually something you're looking for, and you do get to an evaluation, which is objectively based to say, okay, that's now um, done. It's what what I call or what I, I learned a long time ago, um, is defined as an elementary process. And an elementary process is very simple. It's um, so when you can't decompose any further. Um, and when you get to that stage, uh, you then are at a point where you're now ready for automation and you're now ready to train people. Um, and in many ways, all you have to do is add the business logic and the data required by that business logic to that definition. Um, and then, then you're good to go. Um, and this, I think, is one of the key problems between technology teams and business teams is we, you know, whether it's waterfall or agile, um, at the end of the day, we need, to, we need great systems and we need great documentation as well. Um, and I think this methodology and that approach gets you to a point of saying, actually, it's, it's more about a time, a focused time piece of work, and we can get to that um, outcome where everyone's on the same page, both the technology teams and the business teams. Fantastic. You mentioned a bit about cloud computing and being somewhat revolutionary in the business world and technology world. What's your perspective of cloud computing and how it's really enabled us to approach um, sort of business analysis as a service? Yeah, it's, um, it's, it's the one thing I would say about cloud computing is we're still very much at the beginning of cloud computing. What I mean by that is that what we have at the moment is an explosion of apps, um, but we don't necessarily have the technology platforms to run those apps. They, they do exist in some places. Salesforce is probably the most mature technology platform. Um, but if you actually look at other platforms, they're still very immature. Mm-hmm. So what we need and what we will have is we will have technology platforms which have core services, and then we will have apps that um, run on those platforms and what I think will win out, which is why Fund Elements is um, an area of focus for me, mm-hmm. is if we think of the silo approach, the apps were never designed to run um, together. They were always um, designed with a with, the, with a certain scope, while with the cloud, you can run apps which are customer-centric, uh, all designed to work together, where the interfaces are uh, clearly designed. We do have APIs at the moment, but the API is only as good as the data that's available in each app. So um, we can transfer data quite seamlessly. Uh, but 
it's the data data gaps, it's the areas that aren't in the transaction processing systems that the analytical systems need. That's the, the area where I think you're going to see a huge improvement uh, over the next number of years. So definitely cloud computing. Um, yeah. We're at the start of it, and it's a, there's a lot of opportunity there. Yeah, yeah, very much scalable, no doubt. Now, what maybe you can uh, explain to me a bit about issues and options that are available to boards of investment funds. I uh, would like to know more a bit about investment funds or boards of, boards of investment funds, I guess. Yeah, I, 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 we, were, we talked about silos and the interfaces between functional areas. I think one of the other big themes and big areas that is difficult at the moment are the interfaces that exist between the operations team, the management team, and the governance team. Mm. Uh, that's, a, that's a real challenge. And um, again, I think cloud computing will enable a much better interaction and much better way of challenging. At the moment, a lot of boards are very dependent on documents uh, as a way of gaining comfort about what is happening in the operations. Mm. Um, and a lot of the documents are not necessarily concise and, um, uh, you know, they, they, they're timely to read, to review, um, while what we're really trying to re- trying to achieve with a governance team is we're trying to leverage the experience. Yes, there's a need for documents. There's also a need for insights for people to be able to say, um, oh, there's an issue there, and to be able to quickly bring that to the experience of a board member who can prevent a problem. Um, so what, ha- what can happen with investment funds is that the um, the time taken to investigate an issue where you want to position it correctly with management and the, the governance team takes so long that you've missed other things that needed to happen, such as maybe reporting it to the regulator. While if you engage that experience at an early point, uh, okay, that's a little bit braver, but they may say, look, guys, let's forget about what happened. Because of what's happened, there are things we need to do, and then we need to figure out uh, how it happened, and we need to quantify and make sure that we're... Um, we're, we're reporting this correctly to all concerned. So often what happens when you get an incident is you get um, very focused uh, on why it happened rather than um, it's just happened, what do we need to do next? Um, and in the end, you can end up with a bigger problem um, if you engaged early. So the, that, that I think is a good example of how cloud will break down the interfaces, allow um, board members to be able to dip into the operations and build more trust between the operations in a more transparent way of working here. I like that transparency. Uh, any advice for the aspiring business analysts, project managers, those wanting to get into business process? Any skills, specific skills one should focus on? Any advice on uh, how one can accomplish these? How can one can get into these careers? Yeah, and, and I suppose the advice I have would be um, for probably a generation like me. Um, I mentioned that I got a PC at a certain point in my career, and I know there are people with huge domain expertise uh, who don't necessarily have the technology skills, and the expertise is the important piece. The Mm. skills to be able to actually document that and to be able to um, become a business analyst you know, a lot of people in their uh, later life, they decide they want to write a book. Um, well, I decided I wanted to build a operating model for investment funds. Um, the difference, well, it's a lot of research-based work, so there's similarities. Um, there's a lot more structure around building an operating model. 
Um, and it, it's interesting work because it's complexity and you're continuously lifting the, the lid and trying to figure things out. So I think if you have um, deep domain knowledge and you are looking for what to do next, having had, say, a 30-year career in any area of expertise, it's probably not a bad thing to look at, particularly with cloud capabilities coming along that allow you to distribute that knowledge. So rather than write a book, I would suggest maybe have a look at what a business analyst does and the opportunities are now available in cloud computing. So I, I see a bright future ahead for business analysts. And I think there's going to be a greater appreciation of the skills that learning and development professionals um, have. I think um, when you, another area that I look at quite a bit is artificial intelligence and you train AI. And that's an important word to remember. We have very skilled people in training uh, working in organizations. They train people at the moment, but they, they, there are opportunities coming downstream where I think that's a, a resource that um, people need to wake up to um, in terms of what they're achieving. Yeah, fascinating. I was thinking, what a what a dramatic change from a three and a half or five and a quarter floppy disk to cloud computing. It's just, it seems just, it wasn't really that long ago, but it seems that it was a huge giant leap in a short period of time. At least that's, that's how I see yeah, it. I can remember um, before the computers got net, network, before, and like we talk about Agile, um, the IT department didn't know we had PCs. They were on mainframes. That was, yeah. that was their job. We, I know we had mini computers. We had PCs, yeah. which we basically, you know, when they were broken, we opened them up and see if we can fix them. Um, and then I remember them being uh, networked. I remember where we didn't have to hand the floppy disk across the desk anymore. Yeah. And, and, of course, the floppy disks went from the, I can't, I can't remember the size, but they were three and a half inch or five inch or something and they got yeah. smaller and hard disks and yeah. you know it's it, it has been that's been fascinating to watch that yeah. whole progression and uh, it's just gotten better and better over time oh, yeah. and easier and easier and i, I think uh, the, I, the one thing i would say about cloud is I, I i think there's a huge legacy that will disappear in the next um three years i think 2025 oh, yeah. we'll see huge changes oh, yeah. in how we run um run our operations no, I think so. Yeah, I remember working at IBM. We were using Token Ring, and we switched to TCP/IP. It was a huge thing. No, we don't want to go to TCP/IP. Leave that thing alone. And then we were forced to abandon Token Ring, which actually was quite good, and get into TCP/IP. Now, who knows? It's just it's all about cloud. You know, forget TCP/IP. So yeah, a dramatic change. Any uh, any uh, if anyone wants to get in touch with you, how how can they do so? Yeah, FundElements.io and that's a good starting point. Uh, there's a member section on there. Happy to share content, uh, business analysis, and um, essentials, for example. I also recently worked on uh, a job specification for a business analyst because I, I actually believe that space is very poorly served at the moment. Um, and that's, a, that's something I'd like to sort of, I think there's an opportunity to better define that role. We do have a lot of um, definition around the project manager role. We have methodologies we don't necessarily have that around the business analyst role. So we're looking to change that. But yeah, on, or alternatively, I'll be more than happy to comment when this is published and, uh, and you can contact me through LinkedIn. Fantastic. That's great. Yeah, I think the, I was going to say quickly, I think the business analyst role really has a lot more maturity to go than say project management, which has been around for much longer and it's a, bit more, it's a bit more established. I think it's a it's a role that's um, suffered from a lack of definition. Um, I've seen people called business analysts who have business as usual roles, which mm. is more 
and business analysts, uh, sorry, business analysis and mm. nothing to do with technology. So I think there's a, a need for a clear definition as to what the business skills, the business process modeling, facilitation skills and the technology skills required and mm. um, for that role and a, a better definition and education to support those um, those type of roles. It's, you know, with um, the project management roles, we have PMI, we have IPMA, we have a number of methodologies and mm-hmm. um, and we don't necessarily have those. We do have lean, we have six sigma, but not not hitting the um, the real important points about technology business analysts. So that's an area that we're keen to um to bring about definition to. Fantastic. That sounds fabulous. I want to thank you very much, Alan, for joining us today. It's been extremely informative and of course very much inquisitive. And uh, the audience most definitely can take away lots of information that you've given us. Thank you. Thanks, Marcus. You're welcome. Have yourself a great day. And you. Okay. Bye. Bye. And now a word from our sponsors. The Lewis Institute provides an enterprise project management program that does more than just train PMs. It helps support them from the CEO level on down. These courses help certify project leaders and prepare them to pass the PMP exam. The Business Agility Institute provides Emergence, the Journal of Business Agility. This quarterly publication brings you inspiring stories from the most innovative companies. Use the promo code ANALYST to get a 10% discount on your annual subscription.